Liz Mahan, Physician Recruitment Advisor at AAPPR, and this is the I Am AAPPR podcast series. The I Am AAPPR podcast series was created for recruitment professionals by recruitment professionals. We're virtually traveling the country, seeking out the incredible stories of our AAPPR members. This is an opportunity to showcase our pride and the unique members, corporate contributors, and offerings that come along with being a part of AAPPR. So what makes you say, I am AAPPR? Hi, I'm Liz Mahan, Physician Recruitment Advisor at AAPPR, and this is the I am AAPPR podcast. Today, we're chatting with Dr. Peter Alperin, Vice President of Product at Doximity, one of AAPPR's strategic partners. As Vice President of Product at Doximity, Dr. Alperin leads the development of products geared towards clinicians. He has also led product development at digital healthcare companies like Archimedes, a healthcare analytics firm, and Hippocrates, today's most widely used formulary tool used by physicians. Dr. Alperin served as Vice President of Informatics at Brown and Toland Medical Group, where he led the build-out and implementation of the EHR system for a medical group of over 1,500 physicians. He remains active as a staff physician at the San Francisco VA, as well as an internal medicine physician in his own private practice in San Francisco, California. Welcome, Dr. Alperin. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Many AAPPR members know Doximity as the largest professional medical network, and it has over 70% of all U.S. physicians as members. So recruitment professionals tend to utilize it to connect with providers. But in addition to all of its sourcing features and networking ability, Doximity also does quite a bit of research. Can you share a little bit with us about the research that you do? Uh, sure. Um, so thanks for the, the generous introduction. Um, yeah, at Doximity, we have a, a unique position. As you mentioned, we have over 70% of U.S. physicians who are members and then also several hundred thousand other professionals, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, etc. Um, and with well over 1.3 million total members, you know, we have a really unique position and vantage point of evaluating um, workforce issues. And so the research that we have done in the past has really related to these um, these types of questions. So as you're, we've just recently released a compensation report, which allows us to provide insights um, for what physicians make by specialty and by, excuse me, by, uh, by county all across the United States. Uh, furthermore, we've also done research into telehealth. We've done research into um, other sorts of things that again are workforce related. Um, so I think that the research that we do, I think could probably be put in the bucket, as I mentioned, of workforce issues, things that are unique to physicians and clinicians in general. Um, and uh, our ability to comment on that has been um, really, really a positive thing that we've done. That's awesome. Yeah, I read a lot of the telehealth um, research and articles that you published early on and throughout the pandemic. It, um, you know, you're right. It, it's new and not new. It's been around, but not everybody has used it. So right. there was some yeah, great absolutely. information that your team put out. You also mentioned that you recently published the 2020 compensation report. Uh, and I went through it and it has some great information about physician compensation trends. 
uh, I found it really interesting to read about some of the growth trends, but what are some of the key findings that you noted? Yeah, so the, so the compensation report had two really major findings. And of course we can, we can dig into it if you're interested in going into more detail, but the two major findings were number one, that in 2020, it really appears that physician growth in salary across all specialties, again, just sort of just all the entire sort of set average appears to be relatively flat. We only saw 1.5% increase across all specialties, which is definitely smaller than we've seen in the past. This is our sixth year of doing this um, compensation report. So we now have a, a pretty good um, history to be able to refer back to. And then the second major finding was uh, really the gender gap finding, which is there uh, remains a gender gap uh, in terms of the salaries that physicians make between men and women. Uh, and it had been closing um, over the prior two years, but this year it seemed to increase again to 28%. And so. Those two findings are probably the most important ones, and we can, of course, dig into it after that. Yeah, I'd love to dig into it a little bit more. Can, can you give us some context? So you said there was a 1.5% growth, roughly, um, in the last year. What, is it, what has it been historically? Yeah, historically, it's been higher. It's been anywhere from 4 to 6% on the physician side. And you know the reasons that we think for this are kind of the obvious one, which is the, the pandemic. So the pandemic has, of course, completely changed or had major influences in every single industry, well beyond healthcare. Uh, but in healthcare in particular, it's, it's actually sort of um, worked in somewhat counterintuitive ways, I think, that um, the, the average layperson may not really realize. The average layperson probably assumes that because of the pandemic, there's more sick people and therefore you know, doctors should be fine and they should be doing well. The, 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 but as you start to dig down underneath that, you realize that because of the unique way that the US finances its healthcare system, um, many physicians uh, actually saw a significant decrease in, the, in their, the revenues that they were able to produce for their practices. And so when the pandemic hit in March, there was an immediate shutdown of all um, elective and semi-elective procedures, which I think your, your audience understands what those are. So urgent procedures, the things that have to be done in the next eight to 12 hours, or you run the risk of, of dying, those of course were done. So a ruptured appendix, appendix or uh, anything of, long, of that kind of nature was, was taken care of. But things that are semi-elective, things that uh, you know, could be held off for a few weeks uh, or even longer, like a knee replacement, were all shut down. And the reason of course, was that uh, we had to be able to preserve ICU space for uh, critically ill patients. And we also had to be able to um, you know, uh, preserve PPE for those providers in those, in those circumstances. And so, you know, PICUs and perioperative uh, suites were all completely turned off. Well, what this happened as a consequence was that a lot of our surgeons and surgical subspecialists, as well as procedural-based medical specialties like gastroenterology and cardiology, saw a pretty significant top-line decrease in their revenues. And that has trickled through to salary growth. What we've seen is that those practices, particularly private practices, which uh, do not necessarily have employment contracts or their physicians don't have employment contracts. We're really in a situation where, um, you know, the, their, their top line revenues decreased. It's not as if their expenses had, had decreased. So, um, you know, they say that in a small business, you know, the owner eats last. And that was a situation where, you know, the physicians for several months, there were really um, trying to make payroll, make their rents, do all the other things that they needed to do to keep afloat. So that's the biggest impact um, writ large across, across uh, all of phys um, the physician workforce that has led to that decrease. Yeah, sort of a, almost a disproportionate increase on the private practices that 
had overhead, like you said, that they still yeah. needed to to take care of. What about the the gender wage gap? Because that that was interesting to me. And you know, we do hear that there's a difference, mm-hmm. um, you know, between genders and compensation. I'd I'd love for you to dive a little bit deeper into that and explain um, what you think some of those differences are and some of those driving factors. Yeah. So. Um, I should note that the the study that we did is was you know an observational study of self-reported salaries from over forty four thousand full-time um, clinicians. And so the type of study that we did doesn't dig that much into causality. So our ability to really pinpoint what what the causes are is is pretty limited. But if you if you correlate that with other findings that other researchers have done and then other general information that we've read in other studies, what we found is that, just like every other um, uh, situation across the United States is that women are appear to be and remain the primary uh, caregivers for their families. And so when there's a circumstance where um, that something has to give, so to speak, and you have a, um, a, a woman who is, uh, is able to take care of the family, that they're the ones that generally do. And so we think that that's what a big part of it is that um, women physicians were expected and, and did more of the home educating of their children and also, uh, you know, just in general, did the, made those sacrifices that needed to happen. It doesn't, it doesn't completely explain everything. There's still this just what appears to be a, just a, an inherent gap between what men and women are paid. Um, another thing that has happened over the past few years, of course, is that women now uh, make up the majority of med school applicants and med school um, uh, the, the people in med school, so medical students. Hopefully over time that will start to change some of these, these uh, just inherent inequities because it's, it's absolutely um, uncalled for and, and it, it makes no sense at all that two people doing the same work should be paid differently. Um, but again, like, our study, like I mentioned, our, our study was not perfectly able to sort of dig into some of those real big details. Yeah, I'm curious. Your study also breaks out um, salaries and compensation by geography. Mm-hmm. Were there any unusual trends in 20, 2019 and twenty twenty going into the pandemic that you noted? You know, from a geographical perspective, not really. In general, physicians who work in larger urban areas um, don't do as well as physicians who work in more rural areas, um, and that's a consequence of supply and demand. Um, it, sort of a rule of thumb is that. If the housing price is really high, the doctors probably don't do as well. Um, so, because those housing prices are driven by all sorts of other things. Um, but it's not as if they do poorly, just not quite as well. I want to be really clear there. Um, but uh, it really that rural urban um, divide, I think, is probably a more a more um, explainable um, reason as to why things are happening the way they are. Um, furthermore, you, you know that. The, if you look at specialties, which, uh, which were doing well, um, some specialties did better than others. Uh, and, and then if you sort of dig that down into geography, you can go into even more detail. But in general, it's that really that rural urban um, divide, which is, explains most of the, the differences in compensation. Yeah. Do you expect some of these trends that you're seeing to continue? Or do you think that we'll see another shift with the next report in 2021? Yeah, that's a great question. I think you will see a, see a shift. I think you will. Um, so, that, so if you if you take a step back, the sort of secular uh, drivers of physician compensation aren't going away, which is that there's more people needing healthcare, and there are fewer physicians, um, or I should not shouldn't I say fewer, but just not enough physicians to be able to care for all those those patients. And so, I do think that 
going forward, you are going to see um, sort of the, the physician compensation get back to its more normal increases um, that you have seen in years past. Um, but of course, that assumes that we get the pandemic under control, that there's not another fourth wave or fifth wave or whichever wave you want to look at, new wave, uh, that will help, um, that would then put a sort of a damper in that. So I think that's one thing. The gender gap is a much harder one for me to comment on. You know, I can only hope that that closes um, and that as more women um, uh, you know, enter the workforce for um, the physician workforce in particular and are able to just demand um, equity um, that you'll see a closing of that gap. But uh, I have to be cautiously optimistic there. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the million dollar question, right? We, we all wish we had crystal balls about what what the future will hold and um, you know, what driving factors will go into to the future of medicine, not just in terms of compensation, but in terms of access and a number of other factors. Yeah. So our audience, as you know, are primarily in-house physician recruiters. So how, how can they use this report um, to their advantage? What takeaways would you give to them? Um, I would say that having good data is always a benefit when you're entering into any sort of recruitment situation and then the subsequent negotiation, which of course will follow with that. Um, we hope to put that information out there so that both parties, i.e. The, the hospital system slash the recruiting agent, whatever that entity is, uh, and the physician are working from the same playbook and really from the same set of data. And so uh, we, I would think that by using this compensation report, in-house recruiters and recruiters in general would really be able to um, understand what it is that they would are going to need to pay. And of course, there's a lot more than salary when it comes to taking a position, right? There's a lot of things that, uh, that people take into account for any of their jobs when it comes to uh, flexibility, when it comes to um, uh, local educational opportunities, the urban area that you're in, um, other family, et cetera. So there's a lot more than just compensation, but compensation is an important part of it. And we just hope that our salary report can really help everybody um, have a sort of a, a common set of, of data that everyone can agree on. Yeah, I think it's great in that regard. It's also, you know, it's worth noting again, it is self-reported. So I think it gives recruiters a good insight into what physicians might be expecting. Um, and again, that regional breakdown is really helpful because if you're, you know, in, in New England and you're recruiting somebody from the Southwest, it's nice to see what those expectations might be and, and what that, uh, you know, what that playing field looks Absolutely. like before you even pick up the phone. Um, so how can we get a copy of the report? What, what do we need to do? <laughs> Um, so I think the report is available um, on Doximity. So if you're a Doximity member, you can um, take a look at it and go to our website. So just uh, if you go to finder.doximity.com, you should be able to download the report. Perfect. And that's finder.doximity.com. One more time <laughs> so that everybody can get it. Any closing thoughts? Any advice you'd like to give us going into, into the fall and winter and the next year? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, the same thing that most people are going to say, until we get the pandemic under control, everything is up in the air and uncertainty is really the, the biggest bugaboo of all the things that we're trying to do. Um, you know, if I'm, a, if I'm a hospital senior executive um, and, and or I'm a recruiter and I'm trying to think about how do I recruit for these positions, you know, it's very, very difficult um, in, an, in, a, in a realm of uncertainty. And uh, hopefully we can get this pandemic under control, then I think we'll be in a lot better shape. 
It's good advice. It's good advice. Stay safe, everybody. And again, it's finder.doximity.com to take a look at that report. And, um, you know, like I said, I think it's a great tool for recruiters. And uh, I want to thank you for taking the time um, to chat with us today and to give us some of your insights. I think it's really helpful. It's nice to pull back that curtain and see, um, you know, what, what lies behind it and get, um, you know, some firsthand information. Well, we really appreciate it. And uh, we appreciate your um, willingness to give us the opportunity to talk about these important issues. Absolutely. Dr. Alpern, thank you so much for joining us today. Alrighty. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the IMAAPPR podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on our latest episodes. And for more information on AAPPR and the IMAAPPR campaign, please visit our website, aappr.org.